there is an undeniable truth that permeates Scripture. And also through the lives of many of the saints and the martyrs of Christianity. And the truth is this, that oftentimes when we are called by God to do something or to cooperate in His will, it will mean standing up to or encountering some resistance or hardships. Many times, these hardships take the form of going against what society and culture tell you to do. Sometimes it even seems like you're going against the very tenets of your faith. <clears throat> Following the will of God by our earthly standards sometimes doesn't make sense. It doesn't square up with everything, with what everyone or even with what our own gut reactions keep telling us. That is part of the difficulty, both following what we are to do and knowing and discerning the will of God. That brings us to St. Joseph in our Gospel reading for today. Joseph is a righteous man. By tradition, Joseph is also an older man. Perhaps we might even say a wiser man. He is betrothed to Mary, a virgin who appears suddenly to be with child. And so Joseph decides to do something that shows his righteous nature. He decides to end his engagement to her quietly. There is no condemning her in the synagogue. There is no loud yelling in the town square. Joseph doesn't call together his closest friends to come and stone Mary to death, which would have been his right. Nor, if he was alive today, would he have aired his dirty laundry on Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok, talking about the infidelity of Mary. Because of his love for the Blessed Virgin, Joseph decided that it would be best to end the engagement quietly and not subject Mary to ridicule and to shame. Now we must look at this whole episode from Joseph's point of view. And we also need to have a little bit of a memory lapse with the story as we know it. Because you see, Mary was approached by the angel Gabriel, but not in the Gospel of Matthew, in the Gospel of Luke. And so, when you read this, you have to remember that Joseph has no knowledge of what happened that we read in the Gospel of Luke. Instead, here we are in the Gospel of Matthew, a very Jewish telling of the narrative of our Messiah. And the focus is instead on him, not on Mary. In Luke, Mary's yes to the angel is paramount to the entire success of God's will. In Matthew, some of the risk that God takes, and he's willing to take, lies directly with Joseph. Joseph goes against the odds. His culture, his religion, and his status as the betrothed all come with certain rights. And those all push him to do what the world would do. And yet he does something completely at least for that age, unexpected. Joseph's own encounter with an angel in a dream helps to take the already there righteous nature of Joseph and to set him on a path, explaining to him the plan of our salvation 
and also by giving him a name of great significance as to the signal of how significant this child is. Jesus, as we read it in today's English, is actually closer to the Hebrew name for Joshua. And Yeshua, that's the way it's pronounced in Hebrew, Yeshua, Joshua, uh, Joshua or Jesus, is the one who led the children of Israel into the promised land following the death of Moses at the end of the book of Deuteronomy. This promised land is the land of God's gift, the land flowing of milk and honey. And now this Joshua, he whom we call Jesus, and the very name given by Joseph or given to Joseph by the angel is going to lead us as well, Gentiles and Jews alike, into the promised land of God's salvation, the restoration of this world, and the new creation. But Joseph, too, is given a difficult and unbelievably hard task. He is to be the earthly father of God incarnate. It is he who will circumcise Jesus and make him part of Israel. It is he who will instruct Jesus in the Torah. It is he who will have to work to provide for the young holy family. It is he who is charged with protecting Jesus. And you will recall the flight into Egypt when Herod was massacring the holy innocents around Bethlehem. It is he who will teach the earthly Jesus the craft of carpentry. It is he who will teach our Lord what it is like to be a man in this world. And by doing all of this, Joseph, together with the Blessed Virgin Mary, will help to begin the reversal of the ancient curse brought about through our ancestors in Adam and Eve. Just as Eve said no to the designs of God, our creator, and ate of the tree that they were forbidden to eat from, so Mary's yes to God begins to unwork all of the sin and devastation wrought by that unholy act. Adam, who was complicit in the fall and ate of the fruit that Eve had provided, is now being reversed by Joseph's affirmation and by his actions in this narrative of doing what the will of God is, even when everything he would do would bring shame to he and his wife. It was the working of Adam and Eve that brought sin into this world. It will be the working together of Mary and Joseph, raising the Christ child that will bring salvation to the world. But you see, Shame doesn't come from following God's commands. Shame comes from not following the commands and the will of God. After Adam and Eve ate of the fruit, believing that it would make them wise, they soon discovered shame and sin, hiding not only their bodies from each other, but also hiding their very own selves from the Lord God as he was walking in the garden. Now, Joseph knows what shame looks like in his world, and Mary is a shining example of it, being an unwed, pregnant, and expectant mother. 
And Joseph decides to take on the shame of this world for the glory of God. To say yes to God. Yes to Mary's acceptance of the will of God. And yes to the new life conceived in her by the Holy Spirit. St. Joseph is the original pro-life supporter. Not only because he supported the Virgin Mary and cared for her and provided for her and her child, but by his fatherhood and example to the earthly Jesus, he enabled our source of life, infinite life, eternal life, Jesus, his own son, to come into this world. The shame that Ab and Eve brought into this world is being undone. When we, like Joseph, go against the odds, against the whims of this world, and look deeply at what our Lord is calling us to do, we then learn to see not only the way that God is active in this world, but also our role in this world. And yes, many times what we are called to do flies in the face of societal convention. What do you mean, help the poor? They just need to get a job. What do you mean give food to the hungry people? They're just lazy. What do you mean visiting people in jail or prison? They deserve every punishment they get. What do you mean doing unto others as we would have done to us? That's not the way the world works. But it is the way. That God commands us to be about his work in this world. It is the antithesis to the claims of the world. And when in doubt about that, always remember that God the Son, very God of very God, came as an infant baby, a vulnerable creature, to live and die out of love for us. He could have come with an army of angels in judgment, as any king would have done. He could have abolished creation. But we remember in Genesis that he had a change of heart because Noah found grace in the sight of the Lord. No, God himself works in the same way, going against the odds, defying what we would call the allures of the world. And in doing so, he brings perfect peace, perfect justice. And it's only that perfect peace and perfect justice that he can give. Joseph learned that. And that is why the church venerates Joseph as the head of the holy family here on earth. Let us too then learn from St. Joseph. And to follow the commandments of our God, especially, most especially, when the odds are stacked against us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.